This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. That idea of Christmas, that idea of Advent, that idea that this is a time of waiting, a time of expectancy, a time of hope, a time where again and again, it's, it's just fascinating, Christians for millennium have keep coming back to this story again and again as a, as a touchstone in their lives. Because one of the things that amazes me about the, the Christmas story is I heard it all the time as a little boy. I preach it every single year, and every year it opens up one more left. The miracle of it. And the miracle of it, to me, is, is something far deeper than just the story. It's, it's something that I think we can feel rising in our hearts. A hope, a love, a way of seeing out there into the world. And we, we have to see this story, folks, in this way that does allow our souls to come open. That adventure. To allow that to take place. Because it's fascinating, right? The Roman Empire under which this story takes place is gone. Literally, Latin is referred to, please shout it out, Latin is referred to as a what language? Latin is referred to as a dead language. Like, nobody speaks it anymore, except for Latin teachers. But Christianity is still very much alive. Why? Why? Maybe this is why. Because Christians, for thousands of years, have kept telling the story and have kept living the story. Telling it and living it. Not a story of military, not a story of of revenge, not a story of vengefulness, a story that actually in many ways doesn't even address the spirit, the, the, the times that it was written in. But instead always pulls us to a third way. To an advent of something in our hearts. Important to remember, this story is written in a very, and I'm going to stand over here, is written in a very dark time time where it felt like there certainly wasn't much light in the world. And what's fascinating to me about this story is we're going to look at a couple of accounts here, one from the Gospel of Luke, one from the Gospel of John. These were both both written about 80 AD, roughly 30 years, 40 years-ish after Christ had died. So the movement had gone on and had grown and had grown and had grown. And it had grown to a point where, where they decided, oh, it's time for us to write this down. Time to write down with all these different stories that, that seem to point to the heart of Christianity. The heart of love. And you have to understand, too, because I think it's fascinating to understand the historical context of all this. Now, the first part of the historical context was this. So, so, so when you think about it, you think about people who were living in this time of darkness. They were underneath the Roman's thumb, 
And in Rome, in 63 AD, Nero sets fire to Rome. He's the emperor, and he looks for a group to scapegoat, and he finds this group called the Christians. This is the first written account we have of Christians. What's fascinating about that, this movement that didn't talk of military power or economic might, they talked about love and forgiveness and care, had grown so fast that merely by word of mouth it had traveled the whole way from modern-day Israel, the whole way to Rome, by word of mouth. That's like us saying we're going to grow a church in Los Angeles by playing Whisper Down the Lane. I don't think we'd be very successful at it. But the Christians sure were. And it was considered such a threat that, that this gets written by, by Tacitus in the annals. Consequently, to get rid of the report, Nero fastened the guild and inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class hated for their abominations, called Christians by the population. Fascinating. So that's what was happening over in Rome. And we have to picture as well, for a lot of these first Christians, you know, they came from a Jewish background. And what had happened, what had happened to, to Judaism, what had happened to the temple, what had happened to the holy city of Jerusalem? Well, this is what had happened. 70 AD, the Romans completely level it. Completely level it. And it was actually left desolate for 60 years. It was just, it was a city that was totally razed. R-A-Z-E-D. And isn't that fascinating too? Because we have to think, like if I was sitting in a place, if you're sitting in a place, just follow me for two seconds in a historical journey. If you were sitting in a place in 80 AD when these two accounts we're going to look at were written, what had been your homeland, Israel, the temple, Jerusalem, flattened. It was like Al-Qaeda really had wiped out New York City. Had really occupied it. And then this hope and this dream of being able to spread this new message of love across the world had reached the very center of the world at that time, Rome. And they decided that it was such a threat that merely being Christian could get you killed. Was this a time where there was a lot of a, a lot of reason for hope? Yes or no? <laughs> no, clearly, like no reason for hope. Your past is gone, and your future is getting attacked. But yet, these people took a certain kind of stand. They fashioned a story captured these, these, these thoughts that had been going around by oral tradition, captured them, that's today's Bible, today's New Testament. And even though hope was completely irrational, what we see in the Advent season is this. Hope is not logical. It comes as a surprise. And let's all say it's a bunch of words, but let's say it together. Ready? a trustful surrender to a much larger pattern. A trustful surrender to a much, much larger pattern. 
That's where we're going to be going in today's service, looking at what is that trustful surrender, and how did these writers of the Gospels, how did they sort of capture that, and what does the Christmas story tell us about that? Because it's interesting, folks, again, they didn't go back, when we look at these stories, which we're going to look at in a minute, they didn't go back and, and, and start, start talking about woe is me, or vengeance, like none of it's in there. They offered a brand new story. But they kept on telling. And they kept on acting on. And that's why we're sitting here today, 2017 years later. <laughs> Pretty remarkable when you think about it. Now, uh, first one I want to start with is, is the Gospel of John. And what I want you to hear here is how John, who was one of the disciples, 80 AD, is an old man, he's looking back, he reaches back. He reaches back. So Joe's actually going to read this for us. So I'm going to come off the stage here. So listen to this from Genesis. Listen to this account, folks, from Genesis that goes way back, this beautiful account. And see this See this as John kind of reaching back thousands of more years into the past, almost like a lullaby to a familiar, familiar resonance. Go ahead, John. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. So we look at that part, this reaching back. And then isn't it fascinating? Like here's John, and John's like, hey, we have to write something for a new time. In the very midst of this incredible, overwhelming darkness. This incredible, overwhelming darkness. And this is what he writes. Now, I've got to tell you, Joe has a great Morgan Freeman voice, so I just want you to hear, <laughs> I just want you to hear this. Because just folks like, notice the words, notice the patterns, hear it as a lullaby, hear it in your darkness, somebody reaching back to remind you about what you already know. Go ahead, Joe. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the, uh, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all humanity. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Joe, a little round of applause there, folks. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> Those lines, folks, are beautiful. We see the themes of light and dark and new beginnings. The very simple idea, please listen carefully. I say it every Christmas. If you haven't heard this, put it on your phone. Light is something. All darkness is, is the absence of light. All darkness is is the absence of light. It has no form in and of itself. 
So we can see this story as this, as this beautiful reaching back. And, and you look at this, that, please sell the, say the two L words when I point to you, that life was the light of all humanity. That life was the light of all humanity. How do we see that from new church perspective? We see it as that love, that love, that Christ-like love was the wisdom of all humanity. The greatest wisdom we ever see is this deep abiding love, unconditional, ferocious in certain senses kind and giving. And that's what Christ comes into. Christ as a model, as a model for how to live that. That's what this Advent story is all about. Angela's going to share a few words. And after she's done, I want to come back and I want to talk about like, and how did that come true through Mary? How did that come true through these other parts of the story? Again, seeing these other parts of the story, folks, I don't want to lose track of it. Like, in the midst of darkness, and that can be talking to you today, in the midst of darkness, there was this. There was a great light. Amen. You start to get a sense through music and pictures and in a sense of, of what Advent really is all about. The deepest picture of it. That's a beautiful story, again, because we look at Mary. We look at what's called the Annunciation. For those of you who aren't aware of that word, it's a time where an angel, an angel comes to Mary, and he announces that she's going to give birth to Jesus. And that song, you know, Mary, did you know? Like, it's interesting because the story, in in certain parts of it, it, she gets given this information. It doesn't say she understood it with her head. It says she pondered it in her heart. Mary, did you know? Maybe that's what we're getting to, is that deeper, deeper sense of knowing that is God moving in our lives. Now, how many fans of angels do we have out here? I like angels. The angels in the, the angel in this story is the angel Gabriel. You know, and again, like I said, it's, it's fun as a, as a pastor looking at this story and looking at it over and over again. And it's a story of how God, as New Church puts it, how God works through us, works through us, works through us. And part of that is understanding the messages in our lives, the deep, heartfelt places. The angel Gabriel, I didn't know this until doing research this year, in Jewish tradition, there were seven archangels. In other words, seven varsity angels. And with these seven angels, the one who gets the most press time is the angel called Gabriel, an angel that represented God's might and God's power. Now, the word angel in Hebrew, not that you would necessarily know it, but probably somebody in here does. The word angel in Hebrew means messenger, means messenger. Isn't that beautiful? So when you think about Christmas, just a little aside, when you think about somebody like, oh, there's such an angel in my life, what that means is that they're a messenger. Could I get an amen on that one? (laughs) Amen. Like we're filled with angels in our lives. Filled with angels in our lives. 
And those angels are here to give us different messages. And Gabriel's message was a message that was all about God's power. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of the house of David. Her name was Mary. The angels said to her, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled. No joke. Was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angels said to her, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. We see that all the time in the Christmas story throughout the Bible. Say it a bunch. I'll say it again because I know we have some first-time people here. Do not be afraid is the number one most repeated commandment in the Bible. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give them the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will over, overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child. We're going to look at her next week in her old age. And she was said to be barren for six months. For nothing is impossible with God. It's a beautiful story there. Because we see so much in it. You know, the way that we react. You know, I, I, I think again, it, it, we have to see Mary. We have to see her position here. And this story clearly, clearly was to bring people comfort. Because Mary doesn't fit any of the the sort of the models that we might have in our minds. This is a very young girl. At this time, they got married as teens. That was the common thing. And Joseph would have been the same. She was an outlier. She was an outlier. A single mom had no power, had no prestige, no doubt had no possessions to speak of. And folks, it's, and it's, it's hard. Like as a pastor, I always feel like, man, I just can't quite get the words. So maybe you can just hear this in the sense that I mean it. That's offered to these people at this time in this story who are just struggling under great darkness. Think about that. Offered unto these people who are just struggling under incredibly great darkness. We could go around this room with the microphone and don't worry, we're not going to do it. We could go around this room with a microphone and have every single one of you share where you are currently struggling with darkness. Where is that for you? And how does this story maybe somehow come in, maybe somehow offer a perspective as a way to see it differently, as a way to hold it differently, as a way to allow a light to be born into that. 
when she's presented with all this information, yes, she's troubled. Yes, she's unsettled. Yes, she's, she's struggling with disequilibrium. Yes, she has this sense that something is moving. And maybe there was even a part of her as well that smiled at all this after the fear had, had quieted. But her response is a response, I think, that's a call for you. It's a call for me. It's a call for us. And it's just this very simple thing. Let it be according to your word. Let it be according to your word. Now, without singing the song, let's just say, let it be together. Let it be. Let it be. That simple acceptance, folks, and that comes back to what I was saying. A trustful surrender to a much larger pattern. A trustful surrender to a much larger pattern. See, I was thinking about that, you know, with our lives, that, that we have our thoughts, and Dave talked about this a bit last week, and just do the exercise sometime about how many of your thoughts of life are driven by fear. Like literally think, okay, there's that thought. What's the fear underneath it? What I came up with is I don't have any thoughts that aren't driven by fear. I'd pretty much have no thinking if it wasn't for my wonderful fears. Could I get an amen, please? Thank you. Right? You know what I'm talking about. See, all that's left, if I get rid of those fears, if I really allow a light to be born there, is peace on earth. Goodwill toward humanity. The advent coming alive. Not coming alive and all of a sudden making its way into some great erudite thought, because Lord knows I don't have those but actually coming through a light that then moves out into the world. Christ is a model of how to live that helps me to step forward in a spirit of service, in a spirit of care, in a spirit of love. Folks, I think, and I'm going to come back to this, I think one of the words of the Advent season we just gloss over way too fast is the word goodwill. God's will. That advent of goodwill in our life where we really are bringing goodwill even to the person who took your parking space at Wawa at 6 o'clock this morning. Even there. Not letting fear win the day. See, you may think, folks, that fear in your life should win the day. But think again of the, think again of the fears these people were dealing with. I mean, it's almost unimaginable when I think about it historically. The fears that would have been present in their lives. And yet, here they are, writing, sharing, living a story. Capturing a beautiful story. It was starting to change everything. But it wasn't changing anything on the outside. It's not like the retirement plans did better or anything like that. They started to live differently. 
they started to find themselves. They started to find out who they really were in God's creation. Who they had always been and who they always would be. The angel within. That's an incredibly powerful story that's, that's beyond just kind of the, 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 the wrapping and bows of the Christmas season. As the book True Christianity puts it, the acknowledgement of God is written then on our hearts. Is written then on our hearts. And maybe, maybe it goes to this. This deep knowing. A deep knowing. A deep knowing. In a dark and fear-filled place of the promise not of privilege or worthiness, but please say the H word there, but of hope. Folks, I want to say this again. I think this is really significant. We are talking about surrender, a trust to a much larger pattern. That's what Advent is. Those of you who've been pregnant, I've not had the privilege, but those of you who've been pregnant know that there's a part of it, it just takes over. That's what this is about, this taking over, this, this trustful surrender to a much larger pattern. And it's a deep knowing. It's not just an intellectual thing. It's something in our hearts. In a dark and fear-filled place, we tend to think, like, I'll finally know it when everything aligns, when it all looks great. How's that worked for you? Nope. <laughs> not how it works. Not how it works. In some weird way, I actually trust more of what I know in a dark and fear-filled place when I can surrender than when everything's going really well. Of the promise, or the prophecy we could say there. And it's not a promise or a prophecy of privilege or worthiness. You're not going to be privileged above other people. You're not going to be more worthy than other people. That's known as the frozen chosen. You're not going to be that. What you might get, what you might get, is the idea that God, Emmanuel, means God, please fill in the word, God with us. God with us. That with part that's so part of that, not privilege, not worthiness, but, but God with us, us with each other, that connectedness. Not of privilege or worthiness, but of hope. That's where we're trying to go this Advent season. To open our lives just a crack. To take the steps that we can take to open ourselves, to trust that there's a much larger pattern out here at life. To push aside fear and to let that light, that light, shine. Join me on that journey. Join us this month. Allow this story to become a story that can change your life. Understanding that God with us, that's not saying God against us, God higher than us, 
God's over in Ohio. (laughs) This is a story about God with us. Amen. And what we're going to do now is we're going to have some gentle music playing in the background. And then what I'm going to give you the opportunity to do is to come up here and to write again for this, for the first candle of Advent, the first Sunday of Advent, to write a hope that you have for the upcoming year. And then what I do, and I really do do it, is I collect all these. I do this every Christmas season. I collect them, and then I will pray over them this week, offering my prayers to yours. And then if you'd like as well, if there's something in particular you're struggling with and you just want to whisper it in my ear, hold my hands and say a little prayer, I'm going to be right over here. All right? So the music's going to start. You have the opportunity to come down, write a little, write a little prayer, put it over here in the, in, in the pot over there. I'm going to take them home and read through them. And then again, if you'd like, I'll be over here if you want to say a prayer with me privately. Enjoy. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 